It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With me, your host, Russell Guyver. On this episode, I will be welcoming back to the pod. Mr. Johnny Cantor from BBC Radio Sussex, who's been on the pod a couple of times before, and it's going to be great to catch up with him and find out his thoughts on the Albion, how things have been going in recent times, how he's looking forward to, to uh, working on commentating on Albion games in Europe, I assume that's what he's going to be doing anyway, and various other things besides. We have, however, also just got a bit of follow-up stuff from last week. There's been furious debates on the WhatsApp groups ever since and from other comments elsewhere related to some of the subjects we talked about last week. Um, first of all, uh, Rubiales has now resigned. Um, following his unreserved apology, which uh, contained many reservations towards the end of it, um, he has finally re- resigned at last. He has uh, done so for protecting the joint bidding process for the upcoming tournament for hosting a uh, campaign. That's for the Men's World Cup, of course, for a future year. And also, um, you know, he's, uh, he's forced into that position. He said it wasn't going to do him any good to stay. Um, those proceedings against him still carry on in the meantime. Um Regarding Newcastle's ownership, we spoke, Peter, I think, mentioned about uh, Kevin Miles. Uh, he, Peter asked Kevin when he came as guest at Seagulls over London last week what his thoughts were on uh, the Newcastle ownership. And while he, he's done some work on Kick It Out and he has his own reservations, plenty of them, he isn't comfortable with it. Um, he is just about um, coping with the situation, shall we say, and is willing to go along with it. Um Richard said in response to this, Richard, we still need to get you on the pod. Where are you, Richard? Uh, he said it was a very good question. He also quoted uh, Tracy Crouch's good question, rhetorical, I think, about whether it really should fall to the average fan to take a strong moral stance here when governments, corporates, and for that matter, the O&D test don't do so, leaving loads of room for whataboutery and above my pay grade type arguments. Going 
to go out on a limb and speculate that any fan base whose club were told to insert dodgy owner regime here, name off, um, would in aggregate respond to much in much the same way as Newcastle's have. How many would tear up their season tickets in disgust? Ten percent. Sadly, we're all all only one commercial decision away from the same glass house. And Jack Phillips, in response to this, said. It's about visible rep- repression, isn't it? It's much easier to be angry about something that affects you or people you know, the country you live in, etc. than it is to be about the repression of people you've never met in a place you've never been to. It's how sports washing works and wins. And it requires a lot of admirable efforts to stand against something you love for the cause that doesn't affect your life. Government, Premier League shouldn't have, have rules in place before this have, should have happened, perhaps. Saying that, I think what Newcastle fans seem to be doing is becoming staunch defenders of the Saudi regime, in a, is, and it's a step further, and not only desp- despicable, but stupid. Um, so there's that as well. There's also one other um, point of note. Ashley Plumtree, who's a, a white uh, female footballer who represents Nigeria, um, she's been playing in England, I think, at Leicester, and she's just signed for a Saudi team. Oh, Etihad, I think it is. Um on the back of the greying out of the rainbow imagery uh, when Jordan Henderson signed for, for a Saudi team, Ashley Plumtree has just said, look, she just thinks it's an exciting opportunity, try a different culture, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't really talk about any controversial issues, but I was a little bit disturbed even with her um, signing publicity video, whatever you want to call it, that the club put out because she's she's speaking in a darkened chat to camera set up you know you can't even see her properly is it because she's selling too much skin or what i don't know it's it's crazy it all it all felt a little bit odd as well to be honest um so the whole saudi issue is a debate that's going to run and run furiously for many more months and years to come i'm sure but anyway that's just catching up on a couple of the debates that have gone on since our last podcast the main news is at least rubialis has now resigned thank goodness anyway now we move over to my chat with johnny Cantor. So welcome back to the podcast then, Johnny Cantor. How are you, sir? I'm very well. It's been a while, I know, but um, always good to to come on and chat all things Seagulls. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's, uh, I, I, it's incredible, isn't it? Because nothing stands still ever, does it? So like every time with this football club, if you do something like two months later, it's kind of a bit out of date, isn't it? Because <laughs> something else has happened. Some other records have been broken, but that's all good. So um, it's usually good news when it comes to Albion. Yeah, indeed. And I think we had you on about 18 months ago last time. And the time has flown by, I think, because we're all having fun, aren't we, really? Um, I can't believe it's that long since you were on, I think, last time. I think we did a half-term report um, on the season before last. Did we? Well, a fair bit's happened then. So we've got a fair bit to catch up on, haven't we? Yeah, we have indeed. And it's all been pretty good, hasn't it, Um, by the shouting? Um, Fantastic um, um, end to that season, finishing ninth with Graham Potter. Into the last season, of course, we uh, we lost Graham very early into the season. Lots of con- lots of debate and discussion about that, um, um, but we hit the ground running with our pre-planning of who we get in next. We got in a fantastic coach in Roberto De Zerbi, and he's he's been absolutely sensational, hasn't he? What what have you made of that that whole period? I don't know where to start with that with you, Johnny. <laughs> I don't know if you well, want to say. Well, I think it's interesting, previous. isn't it? I mean, I know so, some of the listeners may have like you know I chatted to Tony Bloom this week for the Albion Unlimited podcast, and he was just saying how you know he probably did out outstrip expectation really in terms of what he's achieved and what happened. But you know, Roberto's always been very good to say that. 
you know, Graham laid the foundation and he took on a good team. It's not often as a manager you take on a team that are, I think they were sixth actually in the Premier League when when they took out when he took over and they remained sixth and that is some achievement but also the foundation was there not just from the club but from Graham and the backroom staff um as well and he should but he has seemed to have taken it to a different level I think the ability to take it in terms of results but also a different style of play so quickly is quite incredible and it hasn't gone unnoticed has it it's it's not just about us in Sussex it's about everywhere across the country and abroad as well, internationally and globally now. Um, they know about Albion, but they also know about Roberto De Zerbi because, you know, he's such a character. He's so full of life, you know, it's never dull, um, you know, and, and and I think we're all quite enjoying that a little bit, aren't we? Oh, completely. I'm absolutely loving it. I think not only the football, but the personality. We haven't had somebody like that since Gus Poyet, and I think he's pretty much in some ways more um more more colorful isn't he than gus maybe, maybe not quite as spiky as gus could be but he's certainly got a lot of color well, to... i don't know he may be able to have his moments i don't know we'll have to wait and see he is generally pretty good with the media but we'll have to wait and see um but yeah gus had his certainly had his moments um and was quite challenging at times um but sometimes some of the best people are like that aren't they and i think you know this guy is like just like um uh gus was he's very ambitious um he you know he, he doesn't set any targets he's you know he wants to be you know bigger he wants to be better he wants every facet he wants uh, and that's the absolute joy really to see players improving as well you know if, all those little margins he's just absolutely brilliant at and i think you know that has got to be good it's just those now it's as you say the foundation was there but he's just managed to just tweak a few things um, and do it in his own inimitable style is is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you've obviously had a chance to speak to him a fair few times. Of course, uh, you were hosting the fans forum where I last uh, had a mm. chat with um, pre pre event, and of course, Roberto was there with um, with Paul. Um, and in your dealings with him, obviously, apart from the, the whole colourful nature of him, how have you found him? Is he is he pretty uh, he's pretty easy going to to work with to talk to? Obviously, now his language is improving as well. Yeah, and I think he's made a really conscious effort to improve that. Um, I guess it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because he does have quite a large backroom staff and a lot of them are Italian. So I imagine the natural ability is to to speak a bit of English, but also a bit of Italian as well. You, It's not like you're on your own where you're forced to speak in another language all the time. Dare I say, maybe Andrew Cross is like learning Italian. I don't know, but yeah, I would imagine so. But I think that's great for him as well, isn't it? You know, like broaden your horizons. Why not? Um, but no, he's been excellent. Yeah. And what I love about him is he's always got time for people. Chris Hutton was lovely like that. He always used to sort of say hello to everybody, treated everybody the same. But Roberto is just very, very good. And I think he saw that a bit on the pre-season tour. He was very much aware of, you know, speaking to the youngsters, you know, spending time with them. And, you know, he knows it comes with the territory because of the profile of the football club now. Um, you sort of have to do it. But I think he does it willingly. But I think the joy for me, just as a journalist, aside from that, is that he loves talking about football. You know, he is a football obsessive. He has said, I, you know, I go on holiday, I watch football. I go home, I watch football. You know, I mean, fair play to him. He, he's honest, you know, um, but he just loves it. And um, and that for some, you know, for people like us is is absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, and he's refreshing. I mean, not often do you, you know, the other week when, uh, I mean, sadly, Evan Ferguson got injured, didn't he? But, you know, before that game, when he first started, I think he started the last two, he just said, you know, Ferguson starts. That's it. Bang. 
You know, I mean, you just don't get that from managers anymore. You used to, or they might tell you afterwards, oh, yeah, you know, as a commentator, they might just say to you, you know, he'll probably start, if you want to do a bit of research on him because he's probably going to be in the starting 11 or whatever. But I mean, really, in the last 10 years, it just had to, hasn't happened at all. But occasionally, he just throws in these grenades. You know, Lalana starts. I mean, remember that in the first two weeks, you know, Lalana starts. And we're all looking at each other. It starts the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, great. You know, and that's, you know, it's really refreshing. Really, really good. And, and as you say, he's doing it in, he's not doing it in his mother tongue, is he? So, um, you know, full credit to him for doing that. Really refreshing is exactly what I was going to say as well. It, it, it is. I mean, it becomes so sanitised and cautious and careful. Um, I say we, not 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 we, the um, the managers uh, with what they say in the in the in, you know, in the presses. But yeah, he really is against the uh, the usual grain in that regard. I think there was also speculation about one player that we have subsequently signed. I can't remember who it was, and he was asked about that, and he did say, "Yeah, he's a good player." Um, almost every single person that's ever asked nowadays about players that they, they might have signed for their team has said, we don't comment on other players. And actually, Roberto has has said that yeah, since another interview. he has. But- and he does say, I, you know, I don't like to talk about it because it is unfair, isn't it? You're asking, you know, like, is there any interest? And of course, you know, you know, there will be people that will ask those questions. I guess that's that's the job. But at the same time, he's got to be very careful. Um, but but sometimes it might be a free agent. I mean, look at look at... You know, Albion have bought two people on a free this summer, haven't they? And James Milner and Mahmoud uh, Dahoud. So, um, yeah, I think it's just an, an unhonesty and upfrontness that I think is really refreshing. Yeah, and that that thing about you were saying about taking time with kids. Actually, the uh, the fans forum. Unusually, there was um, some questions from from youngsters, wasn't there? At that, and he was very yeah. attentive with that, which I was pretty impressed. Yes, with. A- absolutely, absolutely, and and, uh, and and I think that's important. You know, like we're all in this together, aren't we, really? You know, and it, it doesn't matter about whether somebody's 90 or whether they're nine. It really shouldn't matter. If you're an Albion fan, you have an interest and you have an opinion. And, and some of the questions were absolutely brilliant, I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really good. And, I, you know, you have that refreshing kind of openness from youngsters as well that they, you know, I think one of them was, can we win the Premier League? You know, and uh, you know, like kind of in a way, no one would probably bother with that question. But, yeah, Yes, it's a direct question, and there's other things in that as well, clearly. And you know, but it does raise questions: where's where's the ceiling? How far can this team go under him? You know, can you keep improving forever and a day? All those sorts of things that are thrown up by, you know, it's such a sort of straightforward question. But you say he was very attentive to them as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely marvelous. I've just been reminded, actually, as you were talking there, maybe we should get more kids asking more questions. Because do you remember, I don't know if you were there at the time, but the, um, the, they did a fans forum away at Bristol City with yes. Tony Bloom. Do you remember that? And there's a yes. kid, Tony, when people sing your name, do you think I'm the man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just absolute that, genius, it? absolute genius. But there is an innocence, isn't there? Like we all get like, yeah. you know, what in whatever sort of walk of life, whether it's your career, your life, whatever it may be, we get baggage, don't we, as, as, as time goes on. Um, but in a way, that innocence of youth is just fantastic because, in a way, you have a clarity of thought because once you get into things, you have an agenda. And obviously, my job is maybe slightly different to maybe someone who works at Sky Sports. So it's slightly different to someone who works for the Sunday Times, who slightly different to somebody who works for Fan TV or, you know, all those different things are all slightly different. But we've all got our own baggage. But sometimes you just get this clarity of thought from youngsters um and and come up with the best questions and um yeah long may it continue speaking of youngsters relatively speaking this is young players um there's been a, a lot 
obviously made of, of how young our team is. We've got a lot of youngsters. I think it was, was it the Newcastle game? There was a match recently where we ended up with, I think all of the team was under 23. It was left on the pitch at the end, barring mm. one player. And we've got a lot of young players have come through. Obviously, Roberto in particular has been good at blooding them in. What What's happened with Evan Ferguson and his rise, his rapid rise has been fantastic. Other players have um, have come into the equation as well now. And there's some exciting prospects coming through. Looking at the internationals we've had, as you said earlier, unfortunately, Evan couldn't, couldn't play the Ireland games. I've got a couple of Irish people I've been chatting to who are pretty gutted about that as well because they were desperate for a result to try and keep their qualification dreams alive. But, um, yeah, he, he missed out. But Andrew Moran played uh, for one of the age groups and scored an absolute cracker. I think yeah, it was a good goal, wasn't it? Yeah, he sort of like he sort of. I think he needed it from the head of clearance and then volleyed it in the top corner. And, and I also, that... I think wasn't it Mark O'Mahony scored as yes. well during the international break as well. I mean, and, and this is you know I don't know we don't know whether they're going to go right through the system and stay because you know people like I think James Furlong's now left. You know, it doesn't always happen, but you have to have people like that because not everyone is clearly going to. And of course, where the club has got to now, it becomes even more difficult. But yeah, that supply line, that pathway, and the pathway is there for doesn't matter whether you're a left-back from Ecuador or whether you're a, a youngster from Bohemians in Ireland. That pathway is there at the Albion, and that's why people want to come. I mean, I mentioned the other day about, you know, I mean, I've got nine players, I think, in their squad that are under 25, hmm. but it is balanced, and I think that is a really key word. It's actually a word that Roberto De Zerbi uses a lot, balance. You know, having that, but also you do have, you know, seven players who are actually over 30, and they, they bring a different type of, you know, experience, knowledge, know-how, whether it's Joel Veltman, James Vilner, but you've also got that exuberance of youth, whether it's Simon de Dingra or Evan Ferguson. And I think finding that balance and then his job is to literally put all those ingredients together to find the right recipe, as it were. Um, but no, there's some sensational young talent out there, you know, and, and what I actually was, I was driving today and I just sort of thought, what, what a week really. Lewis Dunk, well, he just proved why it's been ridiculous. He has only got two caps, but, you know, that's probably been quite well documented. Pascal Gross, you know, the caretaker manager saying, you know, how great that Hansi Flick, you know, put him in the squad because didn't know much about him. Well, I don't know. I don't know why you don't, because we know all about him. So you should know all about him. And he's a German midfielder. Absolutely brilliant. Billy Gilmore, you know, playing again for Scotland, you know, um, I think he's been really good this season for the Albion. Um, yeah, there's so many people. Um, and you've got, obviously, youngsters, Bart Verbrugge, you know, coming through. He probably is going to be the Netherlands' number one at one stage, you know. Um, yeah, exciting times, absolutely, um, at all different levels. Yeah, the three Vs of Holland. Someone yes, said... Beltman, Van Hecker and um, Verbrugge. Yeah, exactly. And and also, one other one to mention while we're on the subject of the internationals, Albion's under-16, Fred, uh, Freddie Simmons played the whole match as England's under-17s beat Spain 4-1 at the Pinata Arena in Spain um, uh, in a recent match as well. So, again, we, we don't know, but it's very early days for players like that. Um, yeah, and, and you've got to think as well in terms of the structure of the club. If you were to sort of, you know, be walking around the backroom staff, you think you've got people like Steve Sidwell, you've got Gary Dicker, You've got Inigo Calderon now. I think he's doing the under-18s. You know, people who have the club DNA, as it were, working at the football club, are really working on a lot, with a lot of these players. And that's got to be a good thing. Um, 
and and I, I think I think that's a really it's not a masterstroke because I'm sure other clubs do it as well. People who've been working for them, but look at the experience of someone like Steve Sidwell, you know, someone like Gary Dicker, who's you know been with the club a long time. Andrew Cross, the link between like you know De Zerbi and the and the, and the players as well, you know, absolutely you know fabulous. Um, and I think it's been a I think it's been a probably a big factor, you know, in in some of these players coming through. Of course, they get more of an opportunity maybe at Albion than they do at, at, at some clubs. Um, but no, it's it's very very exciting indeed. Yeah, and on the internationals, um, for anyone that hasn't uh, doesn't know, I'm sure they do. Uh, Donk, yeah, he made his second cap after the mm. United States friendly in the past. He made his cap in the friendly, if you can call it that, ever against Scotland, uh, 150th anniversary game uh, on um, I think it was Tuesday night, wasn't it? Um, where he yeah he played the whole match um, against initially uh, Gary uh, Gay, isn't it the Palace defender. And they made a good partnership. Um, they both seemed pretty good. Who ever thought we'd have a Palace Brighton centre back pairing for England? <laughs> but Donk, for his part, was fantastic. Played really well. Didn't see any flaws in there. Really good block at one point, and some really composed play. Um, it almost highlighted it with, with Maguire coming off. I think it was due to an injury actually that he came on uh, for the second half, and unfortunately for him, scored an own goal. It's one of those probably is avoidable, but it wasn't wasn't exactly a ridiculous one. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the decision to bring him on, it did perplex me when you've got Levi Colwell, who, again, we know yeah. all about. Um, you've got um, uh, Fikayo Tomori, another ex-Albion. Maybe he's got something against ex-Albion players, so even if they both were lo- ex-Albion loanies. I've only just thought of that now, so maybe it is yeah. something that he's got against Duncan, those two as well. Um, but, yeah, we, we know that he's been capable. And I've always said this, uh, I'm going back like years now, I feel that Lewis Dunk's game suits international football. In yes. fact, you know, sometimes because I think that the, the only thing that maybe people might question is his pace, you know, in, and against, you know, top quality international players who've got a lot of pace. It's tough because you, as you know, as Warren says in the commentaries, there's only one thing you can't deal with and that's pace. And eventually everyone loses their pace, whether it's Michael Owen or whoever, but he accommodates for that as well. But with England, we tend to have the ball in defence a lot of the time. And he has that ability to a range of passes. You know, he's got the diagonal. He's got the one pinged into the feet of the striker. Um, you know, he lo- I love the way that he draws people in now as well. Maybe that's more under Deserby than than before. But I've always thought that he suited international football. I really I really do. Um, yeah, and it, it is a shame um, that he's just one of... What is it? Five Albion players, I think, that have uh, have played for the for England. But um, let's hope he gets some more. And you never know what happens. I just think when you look at some of those people like Tarkovsky, Keane, Cody, Mings, I think you just think he probably didn't get a fair crack of the whip. That's for sure. I agree with you. And he should have played with Colwyn in this game because they've used to play with each other. Well, so uh, there is a logic in that, isn't there? there? It must be a logic, you know. And what it what if Stones gets injured again and can't play in the Euros? I mean, I get the whole Maguire. He's done it for England. He's never really done a bad job for England. But why are you bring him on at half time in a friendly? Yeah. You know, when you've already seen him play against Ukraine and you've got two guys. I mean, they must just sit there on the bench then just thinking, why? And yeah, I mean, and, I, and I'll be honest, I don't think, well, there's, there's obviously a reason, but, you know, Ben White should be in the England squad. Something's obviously gone on there and he probably won't come back until Gareth Southgate leaves. But, um, there's somebody in the future, I think, whether it be centre-back, right-back, probably more of a right-back or a centre 
you know, a six maybe or something could yeah. play in front of the back four is is another ex Albion player. But maybe that's why he's gone out as well. Maybe we could just do a, a long list of ex Albion players who will never play for England. This is um, getting weird, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, I think we're onto something here, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, well, where do, you, where do you think Southgate sits now? Because I mean, he's obviously done well. He's improved on our uh, our position in tournaments, um, but he has got a rich. Um, pool of players to draw on possibly a lot a lot of people would argue the case and i would that we've probably got a better as a good group as we've ever had really better than the so-called golden generation maybe in terms of numbers of depth of squad um, and also the creativity maybe to a greater degree than we had in that golden era as they as they called it um and yet you've got Southgate. is, is he underachieving and he's also he's He's created this club mentality, hasn't he? Or tried to, to to get the whole the club feel to try and make it more of a, a regular thing, and that's no doubt why he's stuck with Harry Maguire. Um, another one was um, uh, Calvin Phillips, who of course has been in and out of form and injuries and so on and so forth. And there was a, a guy, I think he's called Opta Joe on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, who said that since playing his last game for Leeds in 2022, Calvin Phillips has been named as a starter in as many games for England as he has for Manchester City, mm. four, four matches in all competitions, um, which if that is correct, I, I haven't bothered to check it, but if it is correct... No, I mean, up to Joe, they, they are, they're, a, they're a, a stats-based company, so that you know yeah. they are literally um, up to provide the statistics, I think it's probably bona fide, that's yes. for sure. I mean, I think he did okay. Um, and you're right. The reason why he probably is favouring some of these players is because he has this group mentality, this club mentality. And you've got to say, players want to play for England again now. And that hasn't always been the case. And that is something that he has done really, really well. Um, so I, I agree with you there. In terms of the quality, I'm not sure I agree with the best group. I'd probably say he's got the best front five, front six, maybe, that England have had for a long, long while. And, yeah, you mentioned the golden generation there as well, whether Owen Scholes, Gerard Lampard, whatever. But I would probably say attacking-wise, but I think he is adjusting for the defensive. I mean, you've got Bellingham, obviously, in there as well, which probably should need to base the whole team around. But, you know, they are lacking in centre-backs. I think they're probably lacking in full-backs as well. Carl Walker's done really, really well. But, you know, I think we've always slightly struggled that left back slot you know Shaw's been okay but I I don't know we just I don't feel he and I think what happens is he changes the team because of that if he had had a stronger defense he might be a little bit more progressive is put it put it the word because I think you've got a game where it's a friendly and you're playing against Malta do you really need two sitting midfielders would be my argument you know I think Declan Rice could probably do that job maybe even Calvin Phillips could do that job and rest the other one and then just play with a freedom um, but to do that, no matter what, I think the problem comes then when you get to those big games, whether it's France, Italy, you know, in the big tournaments, we haven't really been able to mix it up. And of course, going ahead against Italy and then kind of sitting back a little bit, I think, you know, strategically looks, you know, a little bit wanting really. Um, look, he's done a great job, hasn't he? But, you know, some would say he's, he's won nothing. I just think there's, there's always that little question mark. And it may be that because of the lack of, Centre backs. Maybe if he played Lewis Dunk with Levi Colwell, he'll be able to be a bit more progressive and go on and do a little bit more, maybe. But um, that, that's that's his decision, I guess. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. <laughs> um, final word on England um, before we move on to the next subject is um, mm. the Maguire, um, the, the ridicule and the sort of the downers that have gone on on him. Obviously, up up to a point, people you can understand how that that comes about. Um, it has gone pretty over the top. Obviously, Scotland are very scornful when it was a partisan home crowd and all that. 
that that is what that is. But there was some booing apparently from England fans, and um, he seems to have come in for an incredible amount of criticism now um, online. I mean, it's a bit over the top, isn't it? A bit bit unfair for a hardworking guy. His mum's come out in defence of him and saying it's a good job he's thick skinned, but that sort of thing no no player should have to put up with when they're when they're trying the best and have done well for the for the country. Mm, I mean, as far as I understand it. England fans were generally supportive of, of him on Tuesday night. Um, I, I, you, you say that, that I wasn't there, so I, I can't say for sure. I'm just not sure. I mean, they're sort of, you say you use the word ridicule, but I don't know who is ridiculing him really. I think, you know, that, and that's what I was saying. I, I don't really have, yes, he's not playing for his club, you know, whether he needs minutes or not, playing for England is not the place to get minutes. Um, I think really, I'm not quite sure who is the, who is, is it the media? I mean, I don't know any media people that have said Harry Maguire doesn't do a good job for England. I think, I think they're just questioning the fact that why is he playing when he's not playing for his club and why is his manager selecting him? I think that is the question mark, not, you know, is Maguire rubbish? And, uh, you know, um, I think England have to adapt when he plays because he is, you know, not very fast. He's very safe. Um, yes, he is an attacking threat, which is a good thing from set pieces, but um, but I'm not sure there is this ridicule. I think it's sort of making something about, not nothing, but something that isn't quite there, maybe. Um, and I've said, from my point of view, I would question the decision of Gareth Southgate. I don't think Harry Maguire has been helped by his club manager either. One minute he's being sold to another club, next minute he's not in staying. You know, Next minute he's a great professional, next minute Luke Shaw's playing left centre-back. You know, so, uh, you know, I don't think that has helped either. Probably not helped his confidence. He doesn't know where he stands. It means he's not playing very much. But I'm not sure I necessarily agree that there's this sort of big maelstrom of, you know, ridicule from the media, from the fans about, yeah, there'll be a few people on social media, won't they? Certainly joke gifts and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I'm not I'm not sure that, I, that doesn't totally, um, I wouldn't necessarily totally agree with that. No, it seems it does seem to have escalated a bit too far. I would say it's probably the intelligentsia on social media. To, well, uh, to sarcastically. That, that's a contradiction in terms there, Russell. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I know. I, yeah, everyone's entitled to an opinion, uh, and, and, and he, he has made play, mistakes. He hasn't played particularly well, but that's partly because he's not been playing for his club, probably. Um, and 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 that's why he just looked a bit weird. I think he'd probably say, "Oh, Ukraine qualify." Yeah, we probably need someone with experience. I didn't expect Lewis Dunk to play in that game. I did. I didn't expect Fikayo Tomori to play in that game. But on Tuesday night, I really didn't expect it. Uh, I don't know whether Gay he got, was he injured or I don't know whether he came off tactically. I'm not quite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he comes off at half time and, and then you bring on Harry Maguire. He just played 45. He just, maybe he wants to see Maguire with Dunk and whether they can be a combination. There's lots of things that we don't necessarily know about, but I think maybe it's a lack of anything else to talk about, really. Um, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people talk about how amazing Jude Bellingham was and, you know, I think, you know, some people, though, focus on the negative, don't they? Um, and um, maybe the media does that as well. But, uh, you know, sometimes the, the positive isn't quite as exciting, is it? But in Jude, Jude Bellingham, I watched him play and I, you know, I just thought, well, I thought, wow, you know, he's just got it all. And he reminded me a little bit of Zidane when he had the ball. When he moves with the ball, it seems like it's it moves as one. The ball and he work together. Absolutely wonderful, you know. Um and he's got a little bit of everything. He's got a little bit of bite about him as well. Um, and, you know, he's just stellar start to the season with Real Madrid. 
just let's just hope that he can perform in an England shirt as well because that with the likes of Kane, I mean, I mean that is a bit of a worry for me. If Kane got injured, who would play up front? Um, you know, you know, I think a few players will come back in. You know, Rashford obviously could, but he's not as good down the centre. So th- that's the only concern for me. But if if Bellingham stays fit, if Kane stays fit, with all those attacking options, I mean, look at Solly March. You must be thinking. Five years ago, I probably would have got in the England squad occasionally just to be tried out. But we did the likes of Foley. I mean, Sterling's not even in the squad, is he? Look up Foley. Greedish hasn't played in the last two games as well. You got Saka, who's just been brilliant. You know, you're up against it, aren't you? Let's face it. Speaking of attacking talent, um, I noticed that Neymar's gone past Pele in the goal-scoring record for uh, Brazil. And he apparently was quoted as saying, um, just because I've gone past his scoring record doesn't mean that I'm better than him. Yeah, no kidding, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's probably true. I think also we, we have to remember in terms of numbers, pure numbers. Um, I, look, I'm not an international football expert by any means, but obviously they play a lot more games now than they used to. Um, mm. So probably looking at, you know, game goals per minute is probably more 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 accurate. So I don't know where Neymar stands on that one, but uh, I, I think you're pushing it a little bit. To um, uh, no, Pele was superb, wasn't he? Fantastic player. Um, so Johnny, just um, revert it back to the Albion then. Um, just uh, Albion Unlimited. What with your career, you've been doing obviously the commentaries for BBC Sussex. You've been hosting uh, or co-hosting and being involved with the Albion Unlimited broadcast slash podcast um on tuesdays in terms of the live recording um since the premier league started so you're into what season seven on that one now as Mm. well Mm. that's all going great and i noticed from your last you've mentioned you've got tony bloom on this week's episode check that out everybody um last week you were talking about um the stats i think it might have been warren actually that said albion um their home record um since uh has been in there has been uh, well, this season we've had three of the of the league's top four chance creators, according to Warren. Most shots at home from 19 games since he came in, 369 shots. Second most touches in the opposition box, 712. Third most possession and 39 goals uh, from 10 wins, three draws and six defeats in those 19 home games, um, which all good, great stats, fantastic. And we have improved our home form, haven't we? And we've got... The Europa League coming up, of course, as well as the good start to the league season and hoping to sustain that over the season to get another good finish. Um, the Europa League, of course, is the, is the new stomping ground for us. It's our first ever uh, soiree into that tournament, one of those tournaments. How do you feel about all that? Are you excited? Well, it's a stupid question, but are you excited to be working? On of that course, yeah, absolutely. It's exciting times for everybody. Um, I, I think you know you can't fail to not be really, particularly with the caliber of people in Albion's group as well. And you talk about the home form. You know, do you remember that period where Albion just couldn't buy a win at home? Yeah. You know, and it went on for quite a long time, a lot of draws. And we yeah. just seemed to struggle. I don't know what it was. It was just a really strange feeling and sensation that for some reason we just couldn't get a result at home and, and they were quite good away. And then we decided, well, is this team the sort of team that's better away from home and all this sort of stuff. But that's changed with Deserby, hasn't he? Because, you know, he came straight out and said, I want this place to be, you know, horrible. I don't want people, I want people to come here, not necessarily fearing the place because it is quite a nice atmosphere, I think, but just, you know, I don't, you know, I always hate playing against Brighton. That's what he wants to create. And he certainly created that. And I think Warren made a very good point this week that when it comes to this European campaign, we don't know how Albion are going to be able to adapt to European football. 
because we've never been there before. I'm pretty confident that they will do it pretty well. We've got a manager who's played, managed in the Champions League, got lots of players who played in Europe as well. But also he said, win your home games and try and nick points away from home and we'll get through. And I think he's probably right. That has to be, I think, the basis. Because it will be difficult to go to Marseille, to go to Ajax, and Athens, you know, places that, you know, dealing with that atmosphere. I was speaking to an Albion player today who, who who said exactly that. It's knowing about managing moments. And sometimes you're going to be up against it away from home in Europe. It just happens. It's just because all these teams are quality, you know, but it's about managing that. And sometimes it's maybe knowing that you know, you've got your shelf a draw here. Let's not lose it in the last 10 minutes because, you know, you've got the home games as well. So, so I think the home form is going to be really, really important. I, I'm, I mean, at first, everyone was getting very excited about, you know, the, the clubs and traveling. And but let's face it, not many people are going to get tickets to these games compared to the amount of the fan base. But I'm excited about the home games as well. I don't know about you. I mean, I just think, is it different? Well, we'll find out next Thursday, won't we? But I, I, th- I think it will be. I think it will be a different atmosphere. I think the away fans will bring a different atmosphere. Um, you know, I mean, Newcastle fans, they were great, weren't they? I mean, they're probably down for the weekend, but they won't go in anywhere. They're in the sunshine, lost 3-1 or whatever, and and, and they've got the shirts off, you know, doing the usual um, uh, stuff at the end of the game. But I, I, I think these these clubs will bring those fans, you know, it'll be a really, really good atmosphere. And and I think Albion will rise to the occasion. I, I really do. Um, I think it's good that we've got a home game first. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm actually quite pleased about that because I think if you, Go away from home, have a tricky tie, get a bit unstuck. You might be lose a bit of confidence. Um, but I think having the first home game is really good to get a positive result and then and then push on from there. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm, I'm pleased, uh, the same as you, that we've got a home game first, actually. I think it gives more planning logistics time as well for those that are going to Marseille. I'm not actually going to that one, but I'm hoping to go to the other two um away days but the um in terms of the home games yeah it's gone under the radar a bit almost doesn't it it's almost not been talked about enough it is going to be fantastic it's going to be exciting maybe we'll create a whole new cauldron of an atmosphere that we're not used to doing maybe we'll do what liverpool do and just up the ante on european days maybe not to that extent <laughs> Italy. but that could be fantastic i know we won't allow pyrotechnics in but anything else going well on? yeah i think some people will probably try but um yeah, I, I think in- as well it'd be interesting to see how for me, one of the intriguing things is how Roberto De Zerbi manages the squad. You know, yeah. does does he, you know, maybe see a few new different characters playing against Manchester United with a view to next Thursday? You know, like, you know, he's all said it's going to be a squad game. It has to be a squad game. You know, maybe there's a few on there that are going to play week in, week out. And, you know, they should be able with light training in between to be able to cope with it. But, you know, and we must factor in, obviously, you know, Ferguson's been injured. Well, but it's coming back from an injury. There's a few, you know, there's a few doubts, I, I think, across there. But at the same time, how does he manage it? Um, I mean, from what I can tell, he's not going to go, like, this is my Europa squad and this is my or Europa team and this is my Premier League team. I don't think it's going to work like that. Um, but I really think it's going to be really intriguing to how, how he addresses it. Yeah, I think maybe the only to the only degree to which that might be the case is possibly he might use, employ uh, Milner, Lalana. 
as the experienced players a little bit more in certain scenarios in Europe. He might be focused on maybe giving them a longer spell in games, possibly, depending on situations. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've been brought in, well, Milner's been added to it uh, for that reason, hasn't he? Um, I think to, to give some extra experience for those tough moments and those up-against-it moments that you, you mentioned we will be but facing. He, he's, un, he's unpredictable, though, isn't he, Russell? I mean, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I don't... Look, the other day when everyone was like, well, you know, Milner will be right back. No. Suddenly in comes Joel Veltman, plays brilliantly, as we know he can. And I think he is one of those players that needs to play week in, week out. Because um, a couple of times he'd come on and couldn't quite get to the pace of the game. And that is quite difficult when you haven't really been playing much at the beginning of the season. So then you suddenly think, oh, OK. So I think he made three changes, didn't he, for the last game. Yeah, um, so because uh, Van Hecker came in for Webster. Um, so you can never quite predict it. And that's what I do like about him as well. Because if you go back and maybe look at, say, Chris Uton or someone like that, it was quite a predictable lineup, style of play, formation. You know, I think we know the type of formation he'll play, but we're never quite sure of who's going to be doing it. I mean, could Dahoud suddenly slip into midfield at the weekend and then maybe rest someone else? So, uh, and he is going to have to manage. We talked about those in- internationals at the beginning of the podcast. You know, he, he might need to manage Lewis Dunk, hmm. uh, Pascal Gross. Um, you know, as well, another one who plays a lot. And yeah, and he he travelled, didn't he? To because he played in uh, for Ecuador as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, but he'll he'll he, I think he'll be able to manage it. In a way, the problematic ones are probably things like Chelsea in the League Cup. You know, what does he do there? Does he actually? Are we then going to see complete wholesale changes? And you know that you know there could be a few youngsters in there, which is what they've done against lower league teams in that competition before and obviously he won't want to lose against Chelsea and it's another competition it's a good chance to get to Wembley because there's not that many games you have to win actually but I just wonder whether that's one where he just may have to just sort of put a bit of trust in some youth but maybe play the likes of Adingra and people like that who maybe maybe Igor starts to play you know and gets a a bit of time as well we haven't we haven't seen anything of him yet have we yeah, that's true. It's yeah, difficult because we're challenging on these this extra competition. We still yet to win our first major trophy. So on the one hand, you, you'd be I love that yet, Russell. I love that yet. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's going to come. It's going to come. But we've still got that race against our old friends, Palace, haven't we, to be the first to do that? I think we're in pole position, but then that could, that could, yeah, they could. Yeah, well, I win. thought last year was the year. I really felt the FA Cup. I don't know why. I just had this feeling that, you know, it was going to be, you know, the year. Um, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't to be. So uh, pesky Man United came back to haunt us for once. We've had we've had the better of them. Speaking of Man United, in recent yeah. months, did the double over them last year, which I absolutely loved. Not a big fan of United, I have to say. Um, but we won. I think the previous game to that as well. So we've won three in a row against them in the league. Um, we've got them this weekend. Mm. Word mm. on that. One. What do you What do you think is going to happen in that one? Um, I think it's going to be an interesting one because in terms of them, obviously, they've made changes. They've got the likes of uh, Anana in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Hoyland starts up front to replace Martial. Um, and I think he, from that little cameo that he played in, I thought he, he showed what he's about and what he's capable of. And that'll still allow Rashford to be on the left. Obviously, no Anthony because he's not going to be with the club. So what do they do there? Do they go attacking with maybe a Garnacho type player? Um, do they switch around the midfield and maybe push someone out wide? Um, and put some extra legs into that central area um, because Amrabat's fitness we don't really know about, but I think he will give them a little bit of extra um, mobility in the centre of midfield. I mean, 
they're a good squad, aren't they? I mean, they're a bit of a slow starter. They have obviously got issues. The expectation is massively high, but they are a team that finished third last year. So, you know, it's not a bad team. Um, but they won't want to play Albion. There's just no two ways about it. And we, as you say, we do seem to have the jinx on them at the moment in terms of being able to... Uh, and I think having got that win last season, I mean, I think Albion are the last team to win at Old Trafford in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was on the that opening day game. Um, but it just, I don't know, just uh, I, I think sometimes with them coming on to Albion, it, it sort of suits them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and you've got Pascal Gross, who loves scoring goals against United. I think he's got five against United, doesn't he? So, you know, let's hope he's fit and raring to go. So, no, I think it'd be a really good game. I think I, I, I think they've done some reasonable business. I wasn't sure about the Mason Mount deal, but I think Anana is, 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 can play with the ball at his feet a lot better. But I think this is the thing with Deserby. He's sort of a bit, I think he wants us all to just change our mindsets and just go, no, no, we're an equal. You know, we, we are a very good team. They are a very good team. But we are a very good team, you know, not the kind of, you know, don't think of it as have we got a chance? Can we nick something? It just doesn't seem to think like that. And he wants I think you get that feeling when he talks to the media, to the fans, you know, he's he's like, come on, let's all think differently. Let's think big, you know, and I, and I absolutely love that because because um, then you come into games with confidence and you've got players with experience, whether it's Milner, Lalana, you know, you know, people like Gross, Dunk now. Um but also, you know, they're, they're fullbacks. I mean, if Darlow plays on the left, he's playing out of position because, you know, they might change it. Reguilón might play there, but he, he's a right-sided player playing on the left. So Solly March really needs to be positive down that side. And then, you know, Karo Mitoma, you can't, don't tell me, apart from actually, dare I say it, Aaron Wambasaka, who did manage to keep him quiet in the FA Cup semi-final. I, I think I thought he was probably Man United's best player actually in that game, and, and that 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 that'd be interesting to see what Carew comes up with uh, if he plays. Obviously, yeah, looking forward to it. There is, of course, the question mark of would Ansu Fati be involved? Our new loan signing, um, yeah, who didn't play against Newcastle. I'm not sure he's registered in time anyway. And obviously, we've now had the international break. I don't think he was involved with Spain. Um, we might get to see him as a sub, possibly, I suppose. But Yeah, um... I, I don't think he'll, we wouldn't start, I don't think. I think he needs a bit of time to bed in. Um, but yeah, that'll be a massive boost, won't it? And um, I'm not sure there's many defenders who fancy him coming on with 10 minutes to go, really, would they? So, um, yeah. you know, and it'd be interesting to see where he plays him. I think he was asked that question in one of the press conferences and uh, Roberto said... Well, he can play as a six, an eight, a wing, a, you know, a ten. And that's great, isn't it? I mean, you've got Pedro, Xiao Pedro, who can play up front or he can play just off. You've got Adam Lana, who can play in the hole, but he can also play deep. He's got so many different options. I think maybe not left back, right back, but now suddenly Lamptey's come back. So that's another option. Can we see more of him in the Europa League um, coming up and the, and the League Cup as well? So he's got all those different options. And Albion seem to have gone through a recruitment process where flexibility has been a massive thing. I think under Graham Potter as well, because he could utilise people in, you know, Dan Burnett left back, you know, Solly March in a different position, you know, all those little different tweaks and things like that, that they seem to have, a lot of the players they have, you know, brought into the club are very flexible, very adaptable. Milner's the same, isn't he? Gross, another player, you know, um, so, so that then that's great. To, it's great to have options, isn't it? And you need options because Albion will pick up injuries. They probably will pick up suspensions uh, at the rate that they're going and the way they're dealing out yellow cards in the Premier League at the moment. So, so they'll have to contend with that. But I think the squad is nicely balanced. I think they announced 
the squad today, was it, or yesterday, the Premier League yeah. squad. Um, yeah. Lovely to see Jakob Modder out training as as well. I mean, what you know, what a terrible time. I think I think I'm right. I'm saying it was April last year. It was the last time. Is yeah. that right? Um, oh, you know, yeah. so we so we're getting yeah. on for like eighteen months now, and you know, he was such a. At the time, he was playing really good football. He was getting in advance of strikers and getting ahead, and such an exciting player. Missed out on the World Cup with Poland, you know. And you, what a lovely guy as well. Seriously, yeah. lovely, lovely guy. So I'd love to see him back in some shape or form at some stage this season as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good note to end on, actually. There, uh, Johnny. So it's been brilliant to have you join us. Um, as as we mentioned earlier in the pod, check out the Albion Unlimited. It's always good value, and, and by all accounts, I, I love it. Actually, I, I think it's a really good format. I think it's just what, uh, just how it should be. You know, it's a good mix of interviews and uh, and previews and all the other stuff. Tony Bloom's on the latest one, so check all that out. And um, you'll be doing commentaries with you in Europe as well, by the way. But yeah, we are committed to. Um, I'm 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 hoping that we're going to do all of them, but we're certainly going to be there uh, to start off the campaign uh, live in uh, Marseille for the first game at the Velodrome, um, which will be great and exciting. And then there'll be coverage not just really on 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 match day. We're going to be you know building up to it. Um, we're obviously going to be speaking to supporters in the build up, hopefully over in France and at Beanbacks and various different clubs and pubs and whatever it is maybe back here in Sussex as well so I think that that's really important because this is a momentous time on the pitch but it's also a momentous time off the pitch and that is our aim as a as a, as a local radio provider is to provide that like that flavour um, because of not what not just what it means to you know the fans in terms of the football but also the club you know the community the county um, you know, we all know where we've come from, don't we? Um, this is, and this is another step on the journey, whether it's promotion to the Premier League, now into the Europa League, um, and just being part of that journey, really. So if you do see us somewhere in Marseille or in Amsterdam or even in Athens, do give us a wave and come and join us because, um, you know, we'd love to see it. And it's, 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 it's always great speaking to fans wherever we go. I think right at the end of last season, me and Warren had a few, chats with people up at Newcastle after the game and so because we couldn't make it home in time and um in the on the on the day and it was just great just to share some stories um talk about you know why people love the Albion you know their own little you know bits and pieces that you know and everyone's got a story haven't they um it's our job to tell those stories so cannot wait really looking forward to it and um let's hope Albion um uh go all the way and uh, at least get through to knockout stages I think they can do that I think they can finish top two Third place, yeah, Europa Conference League, but I, I, I'm, I'm feeling positive about their, their hopes, and um, yeah, who knows where it might take them under Roberto De Zerbi. Yeah, and I'm, I'm positive too, and I'm, I'm hoping Warren's practicing his uh, pronunciations of, uh, of Greek names uh, <laughs> and so on. That's going to be well. Fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know we sometimes uh, people take the Mickey and everything, and he takes the Mickey out of himself. So I have to reiterate that he's absolutely great value when it, when it comes to that, but. Um, my work has started on that front. I'm probably yeah. better on the uh, on the on the French uh, and the IX players uh, rather than the Greek players. A Athens will be an interesting one next ne- next Thursday, but uh, hopefully I'll be talking about Greek players pulling pulling the ball out of the back of their own net rather than them scoring goals. Absolutely, let's hope so. Johnny, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us again, and we'll speak to you again in due course. Thanks, guys.
All the best. And that wraps up the episode. So thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be we'll be back with the next one. We'll be probably doing a match day special from that AK Athens home game. Actually, that might be our next one. Um, in terms of uh, match action, we're also going to be speaking to Phil Dennett about his new book to do with the Albion. That's coming up on our next episode. But as for this one, thank you for listening. Stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.